Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. On today's program, Cuomo. Oh, oh no. Um, Biden's handing out $100 bills to, so you can go get vaccinated. Shit. And Hannah Sampson from the Washington Post is going to be joining us to discuss all the travel news that's happening all the airline fights that are happening, mask mandates. People want to know if they can travel domestically, internationally. She does a great job for the Washington Post, and she's going to break it all down for us. First, I say hi to my partner, Nicholas. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, thankfully, I was not on that flight with Frontier. <laughs> Shout out to uh, 3M for their duct tape, I guess. But um, Let me tell you something. Uh, I will not be on any Frontier fights uh, anytime soon. So, yes. Although you and I, it's funny that we have uh, Hana coming on the program today because you and I will be traveling in the coming months. Um, and obviously, we're yeah. going to states that, you know, have a little bit of rise in COVID cases. I'm going to Louisiana. You're going to Arkansas. Um, so that is a little bit concerning. So hopefully Hannah will have some good recommendations for us. Um, I wanted to get into before we bring Hannah on the program, some of the news that's happening. Like I just mentioned, uh, the Governor Cuomo report that recently came out from the AG's office. Um, very scathing report on what happened uh, up there in New York and the toxic culture in the governor's office. Here is the the findings from the attorney general. The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. Specifically, the investigation found that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed current and former New York State employees by engaging in unwelcome 
and non-consensual touching and making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive and sexual nature that created a hostile work environment for women. All right. So you just heard from the attorney general in New York, uh, Letitia James, there discussing all of the allegations, um, not allegations, but what was found, a pattern of inappropriate behavior, a toxic culture, unwanted touching, comments of a suggestive and sexual nature. And then Cuomo puts out um, this video afterwards. (laughs) I don't know what his PR team was thinking of there, um, saying that this is stuff that has been as part of his culture. And while he understands that this may not be the proper time to do some of this, <laughs> I'm at a loss for words for this. You know, <laughs> you can't script some of this, folks. Um, it, it's almost like he half doubled down on some of it. But Nick, let me get your take a little bit on the findings of this report. And then obviously after this, you know, Cuomo obviously is a Democratic governor. There's a lot of people on the Democratic side. You saw governors from uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania all come out asking for him to resign. Speaker Pelosi asking for him to resign. Chuck Schumer asking for him to resign. President Biden was asked about it. So let me get some of your takes uh, on the report and, and the Cuomo story that's been happening. No, well, first, um, your, your culture doesn't dictate this stuff. So obviously, you and I both have friends of Italian descent, and that's not what we know about about those folks. So um, that's not an excuse. Uh, the the AG's report's damning. Um, and it's it really crystallized what we've been hearing for the last few for the last few months. And actually, to be honest, it was a bit of a break when we weren't hearing as much about this. And it now tells us that that was a time during the investigation. A lot of information was being gathered to you know, release these findings. Um, Mike, you mentioned a lot of names in the Democratic Party who've come out to ask for this person to resign. Um, this brings to mind uh, former Senator Al Franken of Minnesota who, um, you know, famously was photographed and, you know, it had been found out that um, you had a case of sexual misconduct and was, you know, asked to resign. Um, We're seeing that again, the Democratic Party, to its credit, you can debate it otherwise you want, but it's a party that that internally checks itself. Uh, It's something that Republicans are not known for doing, and you can argue party unity or whatever you want, but um, the Democrats are not playing games with these things anymore, and Cuomo's catching the fury of it. Um, Most recently, President Biden, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, came forward, you know, answered questions at a press conference and was like, yeah, like this... (laughs) This guy's got to step down, but this is the United States of America. So the president can say all they want. Senators can say all they want. Everyone can do everything they want. At the end of the day, what needs to be in place for a sitting governor to be impeached? You know, that's, that's really the question here. Um, But yeah, I mean, everything points to the fact that this was a a toxic environment. And um, if I were a woman, it wouldn't feel safe to be working there or a place I would feel comfortable working. I got to be honest. Uh, There's a couple of things that you said there. First off, There's a famous quote about hypocrisy. If you don't notice the hypocrisy on both sides, then you're just as guilty as part of this problem. And I'm I'm summarizing that. Um, So, yes, the Franken thing was terrible photograph from years ago, way lesser extent than what happened. But a lot of people, like you said, came out, asked him to resign. Um, I, I think, you know, there's always this this slant on at least the Republican leaning side of, oh, see, this guy's doing it. Where are you guys calling him out? But then there's no internal checking, like you mentioned. So, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, folks. All right. I, I, I'm very shocked that that Governor Cuomo, especially 
having a brother, and we saw that in the report, his brother trying to help him in terms of public relations, you would mm -hmm. think that his brother would have told him, hey, how about don't double down here after the AG's report comes out? So that was very damning. Um, one of the things that I was a little bit baffled about, and, and we, we may have like a legal analyst on in the coming weeks to talk about some of this as well. Um, and, you know, we just did the Ellie episode, but um, Letitia James mentioned there, you know, there's some crimes committed. And I know that there's going to be some subsequent investigations. The Albany police are investigating uh, one of the incidents there. So I think there's still a lot more to come from this and whether or not he resigns or not. Um, I'm, I'm very shocked at the turn that this has taken from March of 2020 to where we are now uh, with Governor Cuomo. Um, and it looks like his time as governor may be coming to an end. Um, I want to shift gears. You mentioned President Biden there. President Biden is handing out $100 bills for people to get vaccinated. That's right, folks. He said $100 bills he's handing out. Here's a clip from the president uh, a few weeks back and his new program that he's instituting. So today, I'm calling on all states and local governments to use funding they have received, including from the American Rescue Plan, to give $100 to anyone who gets fully vaccinated. I know the pain people who get vaccinated might sound unfair to folks who've gotten vaccinated already. But here's the deal. If incentives help us beat this virus, I believe we should use them. We all benefit if we can get more people vaccinated. So, Nick, you hear President Biden here, another incentive-based program. I've done a 180 on some of this um, because talking with somebody today, earlier today, who was unvaccinated, um, and their reasons were a little conflicting, but some of it was about data that is still not come out yet in terms of fertility rates. This person, you know, just turned 30, thinking of having children later on. And I get some of that. I even get some trepidation. My wife, who was pregnant, who got vaccinated in her second trimester, I get some of that. Um, but then there's the flip side of it. The people that are older, and I saw a statistic about people that are older that are, that are not vaccinated yet. And that's the over 65 demo. And that's pretty alarming. Um, what do you think of President Biden's strategy here? Uh, of trying to incentivize people, like he mentioned, and it, it is for the greater good, but there's people that are like, I don't want to be incentivized. I don't want to get vaccinated. Like, what do you make of that? Yeah. You know, the, the analogy I drew to it was actually the rollout of Common Core uh, in, the Obama in the Obama administration. So the federal government puts forward a curriculum, you know, for focusing on English language arts and math standards. The problem is that we've talked about this before, both through text and sometimes even on this show, that you can't dictate to states what to teach. Um, so what the Obama administration had done was basically, you know, you know, states all get federal money for education. So attached to that was taking certain tests, um, implementing these standards. So basically, you put a carrot out there. And that's what this is now is that, you know, in that clip from from President Biden, the idea that, you know, some governor basic in short, governors like Ron DeSantis in Florida are saying, listen, it's my state, I get to call the shots here, which I can spend hours telling you how this is a fundamentally flawed problem in our government, but that's not what we're doing here. Um, so when you have governors that are saying that they themselves are not going to push for vaccines or mask mandates and such, here's a president that's trying to do an end around. It's like, listen, folks, you've all gotten federal money. So attach that federal money is an opportunity through the federal government to get $100 for a vaccination. The question you have to ask yourself is, is $100 enough 
to sway someone. And I've been thinking a lot about that today as we were talking about um, ideas for the show. And it, it is an interesting thing. Like, is that the dollar amount that's really going to sway someone? Like, I think about, you know, Ohio, the lottery that had been used a few months back. And you were talking about some major payouts. I think it was like there was five awards or something available um, to, in vaccine drawings. But the dollar amount there was enough to get people to get vaccinated because data showed us that there was an uptick in vaccinations. At the same time, in general, we're seeing a rise in vaccinations in the country. You know, we've seen even Republican governors in southern states start to walk this back a little bit. Most recently, Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas, um, you know, re regretting actually um, not enforcing mask mandates. But so you're seeing just as a country, the increase is coming. This incentive from the federal government just may be enough to push someone over the edge. I am very curious about younger people. Is $100 enough to make you um, take the step that you haven't been doing before? I don't know. I'm very fascinated, though. For anyone who does end up getting the vaccine because of the $100, what was it? Was, it, was, that, was that dollar amount enough? Or was this person really not for the anti-vax cause and you know suddenly some money in their pockets or changes their philosophy i'm fascinated by all of it this seems like something that um someone like steve um like stephen dubliner who um you know famously wrote um freakonomics like behavioral economics comes into play here like when you're talking about how you move behaviors based on you know monetary factors it all of it's just fascinating to me yeah you know the white house and obviously you mentioned the ohio lottery there's been other states that have tried this incentivizing people i haven't seen the data points to people more people have gotten vaccinated because of like you mentioned the dollar amounts i would love to learn some more of that here's the stat that i wanted to give you right the, this is from the mayo clinic uh, you can check it out, mayoclinic.org, of U.S. COVID-19 vaccines by age. You know, in that 65 to 75 demo, 92% of people um, nationwide have been vaccinated. Over 75, over 87% of people have been vaccinated. But right in that 50 to 64 demo, only 76% of people have been vaccinated. And then it, the numbers decrease, obviously, as you go into different age demos, 40 to 49, Nick, which you are, you and I are in, 67% of people have been vaccinated, 25 to 39, 58%, and then 18 to 24, you know, barely over 54%. So um, those are the numbers. And obviously, uh, it's funny, because we talked about uh, Florida, we talked about Arkansas, Louisiana, where I'll be traveling soon. Some of those states with older populations have higher uh, people of age 65 and over that are vaccinated more. So super interesting. I want to play a real quick, a real quick, a clip from President Biden, what he was talking about. Some of those states governors who have issued some of these mandates that kind of go against logic, uh, kind of go against the private businesses. Here's a clip from what the president said earlier. If some governors aren't willing to do the right thing to beat this pandemic, then they should allow businesses, universities who want to do the right thing to be able to do it. I say to these governors, please help. But if you aren't going to help, at least get out of the way. The people are trying to do the right thing. I'm a little torn here because it's, you know, <laughs> I just came from that state uh, in Florida. Obviously, you guys all know I've been recording from there over the last 16 months and recently moved back to New York. And now New York is instituting something different here to protect some more of its, its citizens in terms of proof of vaccinations and things like that in indoor dining. Um, I gotta be honest. It's like a, it's like a, it's like night and day from living up here to living down there. 
And Biden's right. Uh, and I'm seeing it play out specifically on social media with some people. Um, what do you make of what he just said about some of these governors? You talked about the Arkansas governor kind of doing a 180 on this. Do you think that in a couple of months you're going to see more governors? And it doesn't matter, by the way, the Democratic or Republican. This is not a tit for tat. This is a public health crisis. We have to stop with that. We just led at the top with a Democratic governor who has, you know, sexual assault allegations against him. So it has nothing to do with tit for tat, folks. It's right or wrong, you know? And so what do you make uh, of, of what President Biden said there, specifically directed, sounded a little bit at uh, Governor DeSantis and what his press conference uh, last week? Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the fundamental challenge of trying to get anything happening nationally. You know, things have become so politically divided that, Mike, while you said this isn't a matter of Republicans and Democrats, I'll counter and say that Republicans have made this a political issue, um, more so than I would argue than Democrats, to the point where you have Republican governors that are not stepping forward and wanting to push these um, to push for the vaccine. I, I think that's been changed a little bit. I mean, we've seen and in all due respect to Governor DeSantis, you know, not too long ago, we saw him recently come out and say, remind everyone that, you know, the majority of people in hospitals, you know, with COVID are unvaccinated. You know, in that moment, the Republican governor came forward and said, listen, get the vaccine. Um, but on the flip side of it, this this weird willingness, unwillingness to to push you know, your state to move forward with vaccines. And, and to me, the only explanation to it is that it's being tied to a political cause. You've got one side of this argument that is that attaches the idea of freedom even to the concept of I also have the ability to make my choice to make a personal choice, even when it relates to the vaccine, which is hysterical to me because you know, for anyone that has children in public schools, you've been act you've been asked to show proof of vaccination forever. Forever. I just recently actually enrolled my um, my oldest daughter into first grade in our you know district here, and it's the first thing they do. They ask you to show proof of immunization. So we've had to show proof of you know measles, mumps, rubella, um, I believe hepatitis. You know, so a whole slew of vaccines you have to show proof to. But suddenly on COVID, you're having these same people who've always been okay with this. Let me stress that. I mean, up until now, we've all done this. Unless you had a religious ex exemption, everyone has been okay with having to show proof of vaccination when you register your child in public school. Why is it now suddenly that we're questioning vaccines? And we saw this recently with Tennessee. Tennessee was hesitant to, you know, message about vaccines. And that's obviously recently been changed. Um, and the only answer I can come up with is this has become, this has become politics. You know, you're attaching a philosophy to not getting vaccinated, at least when it re regards to COVID-19, against COVID-19. Um, the science isn't in their favor, obviously. And I think, Mike, to your point, you know, what's going to change this is when we start to enter lockdown, you start to enter a phase where you're seeing a just rising number of cases, you know, Florida and Texas right now. I think the numbers are telling us that for every uh, person infected with COVID, like one in five are from one of those two states. And it's damning. And unfortunately, you're going to get to a place where Republican governors are going to have to start answering to grieving families when they're losing their loved ones uh, who are chosen not to be vaccinated. Most people, I think we've all heard the story recently. You know, a person's last text to their loved one was, I should have been, I should have taken the vaccine. And then they're, they're they die. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think some of yeah. No, no, I was going to say, and, and not to cut you off, uh, you know, some of these in isolation, obviously, 
have been harped on, you know, um, and I'm not making the media the boogeyman here. Some of these in isolation have been harped on to kind of stress the importance of getting vaccinated. This is not a get vaxxed episode. Um, but what I will say is Nick and I are both vaxxed. Our families are vaxxed. Um, we have some few outliers and we've discussed this and there's been a lot about how to talk to people that are vaccine hesitant. Um, uh, it's very confounding for me, Nick, obviously a little bit more personal to you, your wife works in the medical community. Um, so it, it's, it's very weird to me that people, uh, uh, do other things with their bodies that they don't read labels, things like that, but something that has been approved for emergency use by the FDA that has been signed off on by in infectious disease experts, by the CDC, by other governing agencies that people just won't take it. And you give them an incentive and it's almost like, I still don't want to take it. So it's like, I, I don't I don't know what the solution is. I'm getting worn out with it. Uh, not from the actual virus. I'm getting worn out by the belittling of the amount of people that have died with it, from it, exacerbating any conditions that they had. Um, it's, it's just go get vaccinated folks. Um, it's not that hard. Now you mentioned lockdowns traveling. It's a perfect segue. When we come back after the break, ha uh, Hannah Sampson from the Washington post is going to join us because there's so much news around this. Do, can people travel, right? Should you be traveling right now with the new variants that are out there, uh, all this COVID news and how it seeps into the world of airlines, cruise ships, and the different States and the rising cases. Hannah Sampson joins us after the break. This episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast is presented by DB Journey. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote bag. And they've got tons of bags to choose from. If you head to their website, you can check out the petite uh, bags that'll hold your, your laptop. You've got the hugger, the carry-all, uh, the scholar, tons of different bags that are stylish as well. Make it easy to travel with these bags. And we're teaming up with the, D the folks over at DB Journey to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the promo code POD10, or you just go into the link and whatever audio podcast platform you're listening to us, Head to the show notes. There's a link right there and start shopping on DB Journey. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. All right. Like I mentioned at the top of the program, she's a fantastic travel reporter for the Washington Post. And that is Hannah Sampson. Hannah, Mike Leon, Nick Saveri, thank you for hopping on the podcast with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So we really appreciate you coming on. I, I mentioned to you off air how I follow you on Twitter. Um, obviously, we've been exchanging emails back and forth. We we're talking about some of the stories that you've written. Um, there's been a lot of news recently uh, with airlines and issues with travelers. There's a couple of stories that you wrote about the Frontier Airlines one with the passenger situation that happened. Another one on a flight from Austin. I've seen uh, a bunch of rising cases, at least it's been reported and covered on media wise. But can you take our audience through those two cases in particular and what happened in those situations? And then why this uptick in, in, in all this violence that's at least happening or at least being reported on in the airline industry? Right. Yeah. So this was the whole beginning of my week. These two uh, these two cases happened over the weekend. And, you know, it seems like the, the one that you mentioned in Austin was pretty bad. There were a couple of guys who 
got into it, like fists were flying, uh, the bodies were flying into seated passengers. Um, the word was in that case that there was a, uh, a seat that wouldn't unrecline and, um, and that kind of prompted angry words and then, man, just, just this crazy fist fight. Um, so that was, that was a story that I wrote on Monday that seemed bad. And then on Tuesday, we found out about this case in Miami um, where this individual was drinking a ton on a flight. And then he um, allegedly fondled a couple of flight attendants. Uh, another flight attendant came over to kind of keep an eye on him. And he just, again, the fists were flying. So he, he, he punched allegedly this other guy. There's video so we can see kind of how things went down. Um, and then they pulled out the duct tape and uh, restrained him taped him to a seat. You can actually see winding the tape around from videos that other passengers took. And uh, the guy's yelling help and they've got tape over his mouth. It was, it was pretty dramatic. Fellow was arrested after the plane landed and the, um, the crew who was involved were placed on, were placed on leave while uh, the airline investigated. So that was really like a one-two punch of bad behavior that kind of summed up uh, a lot of what we've been seeing this year when just the number of unruly passenger cases um, have soared just since January 1st. Anna, you're in just your reporting. Is there a sense that, you know, this is somehow connected to the pandemic? Is there just something going on with um, just passenger ire just being on the rise? In general, I mean, American flights have never gotten the best reputation globally in terms of services and accommodations. So um, yeah. what's, what's been your thought on that? I mean, there's definitely been cases of air rage over the past decades, but based on what the FAA is reporting, the number, like the, the vast majority of cases that they are hearing about from airlines are related in some way to mask compliance. So people um, not wanting to wear their masks, pushing back against instructions to wear masks, getting really violent or abusive. Um, so we can definitely draw a line at least from those incidents to the pandemic. Um, you know, air travel is a lot more stressful right now because you do have people who are either very opposed to being told to wear a mask on a plane, or you have people who are very stressed out about having other people near them. So tensions are just like ratcheted up and up and up. Um, so some people have said to me, you know, passengers just are kind of on a trigger wire and it doesn't take much to make them snap. Um, and, and you also have a lot of difficulties this summer with um, the number of passengers coming back very quickly, but the ability of airlines to handle all of that traffic and volume, um, not really keeping up. So you have a lot of delays and you have really full flights at a time when people aren't that thrilled about being, you know, packed next to a bunch of strangers. So it does seem like kind of a lot of factors, pandemic related or directly pandemic caused, um, are contributing to this, but everyone who I've talked to about the situation has called it really an unprecedented spike in the number of these kinds of cases. Um, so it's, yeah, not fun, not fun to be flying right now. On the subject of mask wearing, has there become a standard plan from the FAA as it relates to domestic flights about just sort of 
overall messaging that all airlines need to be need to be in compliance to? So there's a, a mandate from the TSA uh, that masks need to be worn on planes and airports and other forms of public transportation. And that mandate stretches right now through September 13th. The CDC has its own mandate that doesn't really have a sunset, but um, everybody's kind of keeping an eye on the TSA to say, is that going to go away in a month? Like, look at where we are right now with the number of cases and with the Delta variant. Is it possible they're going to remove that? Uh, and TSA is not saying. So we don't know how long the mask mandate is going to stick around. But, um, you know, I did talk to a health person who said, I cannot imagine that they would get rid of it in a month. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll be monitoring that and we'll see, but um, at least for the next month, that's going to be the norm. That's going to be the requirement when you fly. And one of the things that you wrote about was a piece uh, where airlines have been asking the DOJ to step in with some of these confrontations, uh, maybe harsher fines, harsher penalties, some type of deterrent to, to, to kind of weigh a curb the, the wave of you know, violence that's been happening, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, so what is the next step here for the DOJ? And has there been some, you know, cases that have gotten to that federal level? Or has it all been state involved in terms of the arrest of these passengers? Yeah, you know, we have definitely heard of examples where maybe the FBI has responded and, and maybe they have picked up. Um, a lot of these are fairly new, so we haven't quite been able to follow them that far down the line of justice. Um, it's interesting because in the in the case that ended in Miami recently, um, the the local the Miami Dade police report said that the FBI sent agents out who who said that they wouldn't be prosecuting this person who had allegedly punched and fondled flight attendants in the air. So it's hard to say how involved um, federal agencies are going to get in in these kinds of events. The FAA can levy fines. Um, they they and they have. They've they've announced. I, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of. I think it's ninety five at this point cases where they have um, announced penalties against people, but that's not criminal prosecution. So um, the more severe consequences at this point are still not really clear. We don't really know if there's going to be a lot of federal prosecution of, of people who are, you know, refusing to wear masks. The DOJ I'm sure has its hands full with a lot of things, um, but, but airlines, you know, would like a little more backing to, to kind of make it clear that there can be serious penalties for this kind of misbehavior in the air. Hanna, you recently wrote about uh, travel plans, you know, for passengers who are vaccinated or, or unvaccinated. What's the latest you can share with us um, for anyone who's considering travel plans right now? Yeah, it's a tricky thing to consider. And I, I think even among um, my, my fellow colleagues who write about travel, we're all having these discussions about, you know, what are we comfortable doing right now? Um, with the rise of the Delta variant, which we're hearing more about, huge threat to unvaccinated people, but we know that there can be breakthrough cases and um, breakthrough cases can also lead to transmission from vaccinated people. Uh, so that kind of complicates things. What we're hearing is basically health experts are saying, if you're vaccinated, if you're not at high risk of serious illness, if there is a breakthrough infection, 
And if you're not either traveling with vulnerable people or going home to vulnerable people, it's probably still okay to travel. Um, but it's not going to be super easy. Like there are mask mandates that are being reinstated all over the country. Um, Europe is, is open now, but there are new restrictions going into place in a lot of countries that recently reopened to Americans. Um, you, if you're unvaccinated, um, you're going to have to, in many places, like present evidence of a negative test, a very recent negative test before you can do things like go up to the Eiffel Tower or you can't dine indoors in Paris. New York is just announced you're going to have to be vaccinated to eat indoors. Um, so, you know, nobody should expect to travel right now and do it like it's party like it's 2019, basically. Um, everybody should expect it to still feel like you're traveling in a pandemic with a lot of rules, even if the restrictions that we saw, even if the lockdowns are over, there's still going to be a lot of rules. Um, and, and definitely what health experts are saying is that if you're not vaccinated, um, you should really consider not traveling right now because the Delta variant is very transmissible. Um, you can get sick very easily and you might go somewhere and find out that once you're there, the rules have changed. And if you're not vaccinated, the things that you're going to be able to do are going to be much smaller. And you might not have a great time in addition to being potentially ill. Um, so it's, I mean, there really are kind of a couple of paths. And if you're vaccinated, you probably have a lot more options to do safely. And if you're unvaccinated, maybe you don't care. Um, or, you know, maybe you should just think about, I'm going to, I'm going to sit this out for a while and stay close to home and away from a lot of other people. I have, I, I was just thinking, I still have my vaccine, my vaccine card. Um, obviously there's no mandates about, well, I know in New York city, they're about to start asking to show proof of vaccination. Would it be a smart practice to just kind of keep it on me just for uh, full disclosure? I'm traveling to a COVID rich area of a state that rhymes with Barkinsaw in <laughs> December. Um, would it be a safe, would it be a smart practice just to probably keep my vaccination card on me? I think that's what a lot of people are advising. Yeah. I mean, I am in a COVID rich place right now that rhymes with Florida. And um, I actually don't think that I brought mine, but again, I'm in, I'm in Florida, so they're not going to ask <laughs> for it here. Um, but I do have a picture of it on my phone. And at the very least, I think that's important. If you're like going to get on a cruise ship or you're going to go to a place that you know requires proof of vaccination, you probably want to have that card. Um, but just in case, I think probably having a copy of it or having it on your phone um, should do. I know places like New York and I think DC right now also have created apps where you can upload your a picture of your vaccine card into it and kind of use that as proof. Not sure Arkansas, you know, is going to go that direction though. Yeah, those are those are some new states I think added to the union recently. Um, Hannah, you 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 fed into the follow up, and I'm glad Nick asked that vaccine question, uh, the card question, because I'm actually traveling to DC uh, in the coming weeks, and and recently just put the vaccination cards next to my wallet, so I wouldn't forget it. But you fed into the follow up perfectly because cruises, Florida. Uh, we had Ellie Honig on the program last week, the CNN legal analyst 
talking about the legalities that are happening now with Ron DeSantis and, you know, the cruise industry and this lawsuits that are coming out of all of that. Where do you see some of this shaking out um, from your perspective and covering some of this travel news uh, with these legal battles that some of these private businesses want to institute this proof of vaccination or at least have these strict mandates? And then there's governors in certain states that are writing legislation to like get rid of that. So that way people don't have to show it. So the cruise lines are like, okay, well, you can just hang on on this part of the boat. Like, where do you see that kind of shaking out and, and affecting the travel industry, really? Yeah, um, this has really been a roller coaster to cover. And I know there's actually, uh, I believe there's a hearing tomorrow in one of these, in one of these lawsuits. So there's a couple of different cases where the state of Florida sued the CDC to say, you're overreaching with your rules for cruise lines. And the judge actually kind of went along with that. And he basically in Florida now, cruise lines don't have to follow the CDC's rules for cruising. However, they are uh, pretty much, I mean, every cruise line that's sailing out of Florida now is voluntarily following the CDC's rules. So it's not in the interest of a cruise line to be like, oh yeah, all of our COVID rules are out the window because we just want to get out there. Like people want to know they're going to be safe. So that's, that's kind of one element, like what the cruise lines are doing voluntarily. On the other hand, cruise lines really want to require vaccination and in Florida, they can't. So we have one, one of the cruise lines in Norwegian suing the state of Florida um, and saying, uh, we, you can't tell us not to require vaccinations or a private company. That's what we want to do. We don't know how that's going to play out yet. Norwegian is not sailing from Florida yet several cruise lines are, and they're kind of taking their own approach to this. Um, some of them are, are actually, it almost seems like they're kind of flouting the rules because they're saying, um, yeah, we are requiring vaccinations and proof of it, but they're allowing for some exceptions, especially for kids under 12 and, and maybe adults who can't, um, who can't get a vaccine for whatever reason. Other ones are saying, we recommend the vaccine. It would be great if you got it. If you don't, um, here's like X, Y, Z thing you can't do on a cruise. And here's all the extra money you're going to have to pay because you're going to have to pay for extra testing. You know, if you like the casino, so sorry, you can't go because we're reserving that for vaccinated people only. So it really is kind of messy. Um, if you're, I know that a lot of people who are not vaccinated, who like to cruise, feel um, very put upon by this. They, they feel like they're being treated uh, like a lesser class. Um, it's not, you know, it doesn't seem like a, a super fun experience for them. Um, but cruise lines, you know, even though many of them have vaccine requirements, they're still seeing some breakthrough cases on their cruises, um, even among people who are vaccinated. So imagine you have, you know, some critical mass of unvaccinated people nobody wants to see what they saw in early 2020 um, where just you know COVID was spreading like wildfire and ships were stuck adrift for days and people were dying it was terrible like nobody wants to see that again so the goal is really we know there's going to be positive cases it happens but nobody wants a positive case to turn into a cluster to turn into an outbreak and that's kind of like what the focus is right now. That was a very long answer, but it's a very, 
convoluted no. situation right now. Tr- trust me, I know. I mean, I've been following a lot of that news lately that's happening down there. And it's it's a tricky issue, you know, because you're getting into that private and public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, Dick. Oh, no, no. Um, since, you know, with the reporting you've done, what's been just sort of lighting things up a little bit with the gloom and doom of, you know, pandemic part two, electric boogaloo now upon us. Um, what's been, would you consider the wildest story you've had to report so far? Oh my goodness. Okay. So this, the, 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 the plain one this week was, was pretty out there. Um, especially the video where the individual was talking about his parents' net worth as he's flying on frontier, which is a budget airline where you have to kind of pay for every little thing. Like that was bizarre, but I have to say, the most fun wild story that I've had, it was just kind of like this little breath of fresh air was, um, was from a, a, a guy who just DM'd me, slid into my DMs out of nowhere on Twitter. And he was like, I saw you wrote a story a while ago about Expedia, the travel booking company. They were giving away these like replicas of a hand, blue, a blue 3D printed hand um, Joe Jonas's hand, the, uh, the pop star. Funny little story that Expedia was doing. The dude's like, they keep sending me copies of his hand. I did not ask for one. I never signed up for this. They've sent me two so far. And he's like, I, I don't know what to do about this. So, I mean, I just laughed my head off and then followed up with him and interviewed him. And he, he like sent me pictures of his, his two hands, which is, they were both the same hand. Um, unfortunately. And I talked to Expedia and Expedia is like, somebody must have signed him up for it as a joke or something, but we don't, we're going to look into why he got two. Meanwhile, there's like Joe Jonas fans everywhere who are dying for one. Um, it was ridiculous and, and hilarious. And after we published a funny story, man, I got so many emails from people who were just like, please, can he send me the hand? <laughs> and uh, and he got a ton of messages asking him for the hands um so i i don't actually know the status or the fate of them but i i think they're going to find good homes and i was very <laughs> grateful for a, a a wee break from uh pandemic madness for that story personally i'm jealous i only got one i don't know how he got both yeah, so I, 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 I was going to say up on this with you after after. But yeah, I was going to say I'm going to the concert. So I guess I'll see that guy there. Um, Hannah, <laughs> you, you, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Hannah, you do fantastic work. Like I mentioned to you off air. Uh, I enjoy reading all, all of your columns and you've kept us really informed about all the travel news that's happening out there. So continued success. Uh, and, and obviously we know what state you live in. So continue to be safe, please. And mask up. Uh, I'll be back you. in DC soon. Oh, <laughs> okay. There you go. Thank you for hopping on the podcast today. All right. Thank you guys. Pleasure to talk to you. All right. That was Hannah Sampson from the Washington post. Go check out all her work online at WashingtonPost.com. Um, so much travel news there, Nick, all these private businesses, like we talked with her about uh, and, and the, f- the legal fights that are happening in the state of Florida, um, the airline travel stories. I, I, I saw a piece recently about a lot of flight attendants now uh, entering some of these combat schools, these mixed, these mixed martial arts classes to kind of, you know, learn martial arts to like mm-hmm. defend themselves 
for unruling passengers that either don't want to put a mask on, they get inebriated. There's so many mixed rules. I, I, I'm at a loss for words, man. Take take us home. But like, what, what do you think is going on in travel? Should, um, should people get on a plane? Should they not do it? Like, okay. it's a great question. I, I I mean, personally, I'm only going for tr- for business travel. So if I, if I didn't have to, I probably would hold off. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic is has now officially entered its next phase, you know, in, in terms of Delta. So um, the, the virus, not the airline, <laughs> but um, I'm yeah, sure, I, by the way, I'm sure they're thrilled with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of, of course. The, the, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we saw, you know, you and I are both sports fans. We saw not too long ago, you know, the NBA was having an issue. You know, we were having fans, you know, throwing, you know, bottles of water at players in the case of Trey Young, you know, with the Knicks. Um, you know, we had Russell Westbrook getting you know, popcorn thrown on them. And we saw these, you know, really strange cases of fan behavior that, you know, we've seen in the past, but just recently started coming back. And similar to the airlines, I think what you have to, what we have to recognize is, you know, there is a, there's a lot of mental fatigue that we've all experienced from the pandemic. And I think especially with air travel, which the U.S. has not been the best with this. Um, you know, we've, if you've ever traveled internationally, flights are different. You know, the experience is just different. It's something that as a country, we're just not getting right, but the ticket prices keep going up and the seats keep getting smaller. Um, so it's, I think you tie that in with, you know, just that pressure of being asked to wear a mask. I mean, I'm at a point now where it just simply doesn't bother me being on a flight or just going out to the shopping center, whatever. Like I'm just so used to it. Right. Um, Same. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you're just getting people who are just already on the razor's edge. I mean, we've seen, you know, some, if you've ever had to go to an airport that's packed and you're trying to rush to a flight and customer service issues, the airline industry has never been the most pleasant to work with. Um, now couple it with being in a pandemic. I think you're just seeing, um, emotions just on edge in the case of the you know person on frontier you know that's a person who you know has has some issues and you know it just played out in real time um and yeah i mean i, I thought it was funny that you mentioned you know people you know starting to pursue mixed martial arts training I, I would hope airlines start to recognize that you know this is becoming a problem and at the at the same time we have to start exploring you know what are the penalties that you put into place you know for someone like you know, the guy who did what he did on the frontier line, to me, it seems fair to have a ban, you know, but you're entering a no fly list for at least a year. And this is across airlines. But again, you know, we're talking about private businesses, you know, what frontier does is not necessarily what JetBlue does. Cause they do, they want to lose a customer. Maybe not. Um, but you have to start exploring, you know, and this is what, you know, Hannah was taking us through, but you know, what are the options that airlines have? And that's why they're obviously going to the department of justice because they themselves don't as a private business, you can only do so much. Right. Uh, check out all Hannah's work. Like I mentioned at the Washington post.com. Um, she does fantastic work. That was, that was some pretty cool stuff there because there's so much people are, you know, contemplating either, you know, holidays are going to be coming up domestically here. Should I be traveling? Should I not be traveling? Uh, and, and wary of some of these variants that are out there. So listen, folks, be safe. We recommend you get vaccinated, obviously, and, and wear a mask uh, whenever you can. Uh, for this show, you want to subscribe. YouTube, please subscribe. Nick's smashing down the button for all the video content. Audio path platforms, you know them by now. Please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review and comment. Pretty please. Coming weeks, we've got some fantastic episodes lined up for everybody. Like I mentioned, Ryan Riley from the uh, from the Huffington Post is going to be joining us to talk about all the January 6th news. Harry Enton, the, the CNN uh, pollster, 
is going to be joining us. We're going to talk about polling as a science and some of the key 2022 races and obviously what he looks for in the future of the presidency in the 2024 upcoming uh, race between President Biden and potentially President Trump again from the Republican side. We'll see. Harry's going to break all that down for us. So those are new episodes in the coming weeks. Be on the lookout for that. Become a Patreon subscriber. Click on the link in our show notes and get all this bonus content and extra from not only this episode, but all the episodes that have aired. Uh, As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Be safe.